I just wanted to give the rest of me to Jesus. And I remember saying that for the rest of my life, Satan will pay for the 18 years of torment that I received, that he inflicted on my life. And that was my goal. And so that's what happened. This is The Unseen Story, firsthand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of his children. What God has done for our storytellers, he lives to do for you. Well, hey guys, welcome back to The Unseen Story. We have an incredible story for you today that we got from another one of our storytellers, Aaron. We love getting stories from you guys, being able to get connected through other storytellers or listeners is really just such a gift because we just get to share in the wealth of what God is doing in and through his people. And it really is a beautiful connectedness. There's a beautiful connectedness to it. So as always, if you have told a story or if you're a listener and you have a story, please reach out to us and connect us with new stories and testimonies because it is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we overcome the enemy. So share in the love. Mm. Here we go. You are listening to Sandrine's story, the miracle of salvation. Hey guys, I'm Sandrine Tucker. And I am from uh, Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. There's two of them, <laughs> so I have to preface that. And um, and I've been in the U.S. for 22 years. I came as a 16, 16 year old, turned 17 two days after. But the journey of my family and I coming to America was one of uh, my God, like three years of praying for us to come to America. America for us was a home like the promised land, you know, we would read uh, Exodus and we would see how the children of Israel would pray to go to the promised land. I came, like I said, from Congo and at the age of 13 years old, my life just turned upside down. I was, I grew up in the family. I'm the oldest of six children. And, um, and we were, you know, it was just good, fun playing with my siblings. And we had a great relationship with my dad. My mom had a good job. I went to the best schools at Catholic school, Uh, back home until the age of 13, my father suddenly died. He just, two weeks of him bleeding internally, he died. And that began literally, it's like hell opened up and the, I don't know, the things began to happen. So my dad passes away, come to find out my parents were never married, which is a no-no in an African culture. Um, And then family start fighting over us, over taking over my dad's things, the house, wanted to repossess everything that belonged to my dad. Well, if that was not the worst thing, two months later, war started. So I found out that my mom was actually not fully Congolese, which in America, it's probably not a a concept people have, but in Africa, many, we are very tribal. Here, there's maybe racial division, but in Africa, it's very tribal but also very national nationalists. So Congolese were having a war with Rwanda. And my mom happened to be third generation Rwandan born in Congo. And so when the war was both between the two countries, we had to leave the country. And my dad was the Congolese and he had just died two months. Good for him. He escaped 
that whole situation. So I found myself as a 13-year-old without my dad. The only thing that identified me as a Congolese child, teenager. And then a month after that, my, my mom disappears with three of my siblings. Three of my other siblings, uh, myself and three, uh, two of my siblings, we ended up living with my dad's side of the family. They mistreated us. We ended up, I mean, wouldn't feed us. We were a burden. We were a burden. And if you are familiar with any uh, street children in Africa where two parents passes away, they pass away, that means that you have no hope. So I was 13, 14, completely broken, hopeless. My whole life turned upside down. Finding out that my identity as a Congolese was actually not, I was really not fully Congolese. My features, the way I look, I have a long face, I'm dark skin and my nose. Everything that God designed me became a sin, became a, 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 a hindrance for me. I would go places, I would be threatened to get killed. Now, they would ask me, what's my name? And my name is Congolese because my father is. They would ask me to speak in a Congolese language. I knew the Congolese language. But when you are denied who you are, the very essence of who you are. So I went from there and then a few months, seven months later, we found my mom, we're reunited. And then we had to fight to stay alive because there were shootings, there were burning, like the, on the news, there will be burning anyone of Rwandan blood. And so we fought, my siblings, my mom and I, we fought to just stay alive. My mom, who was Catholic and, you know, Praise God for Catholics. Just her own personal relationship with God changed at the moment because she was a widow at 40 years old with six children, beginning from 13 all the way to two years old, having to run for her life, provide for us, stay alive, keep us alive. And then I began to see my mom pray. I've never, my mom would drink to, to drown the pain, but something in her just was awakened. She started fasting. It was not hard because we had no food, but she started fasting, praying. And then she will quote these scriptures. You are a father. I don't even know what it is, but I remember in my head, you are fathers to the fatherless. You are a husband to the, orphan, to, to the widow. God, show yourself. Prove that this word is true. And we stay like that for three years. And then we came to America. And for me, it was like, finally, I made it, right? Finally, God delivered me from that torment, that, that place, literally a pit of hell. But what I did not realize, many times God can change our situations. God can change where we are. But if he doesn't change the inside, no matter where we go, how much money you get to have, you will still be broken. So I came to America happy as a 17, I turned 17, no English. Okay, so if you hear me speak this English, with all the errors, okay? You better praise God because it's a miracle. <laughs> so no English. And then suddenly, all the rejection, all the spirit of death, people will threaten to kill us. We had police show up at our house several times threatening to, to kill us. But then my mom's prayers, they will leave. You will hear neighbors who got killed, girls who got raped, and we were never touched. So I saw God's providence but I still did not believe that this big God cared for me because if he cared for me 
individually, because a lot of times we know God as Elohim. We know that he's the creator of the universe, but we don't know him as, as the one who cares, the one who sent his son Jesus to die so that we may have life and have it abundantly. So I came to America, I was living, but I was just a corpse. But I remember crying out to God and said, God, I want to leave this life. I came to America, but I'm not even enjoying this life. I'm full of anger, full of insecurities. The words that were told and said to me that I was not beautiful because my mom was Rwandan, because I had Rwandan blood, that I was not enough, and that I deserve to die. Why did you keep me alive, God? So I was living literally tormented. The dreams, the, 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 the images of, of, of hatred towards me. What's amazing, what the devil does is the very thing that was said about me, said to me, became the things that I began to say about myself. I cried out to God to change me, that I, either he changes me or I die. Funny thing is, in Africa, I, I fought to live, but coming to America, it was, I didn't want to live anymore. And then I found friends. We were part of the ESL program. It's English as second language students. And all my friends, so we partied because I was like, that was my way of escaping. I didn't know anything else. So I just escaped and partied until one time I was at a club with my friends and I heard the audible voice of God. And that was my first time. I grew up Catholic. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Seventh-day Adventist. So I never really encountered the supernatural. But I remember being in that club. It's called AAA in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In the bathroom, my eyes were opened and I looked at the girls around me were throwing up. It was just like very defiled. It smelled awful. And I heard a voice that told me, Sandrine, if you don't change, if you don't give yourself to me completely, this will be your future. And I had, I was reminded at the moments, those three years in hiding, how my mom would pray, how God provided food for us, how God really brought us to America. He reminded me that I cared to bring you in America, but I also care to make you whole. And my excuse was like, God, if you bring me to a church, <laughs> I will serve you my whole life. But I don't know how to get back to you. I don't know how to connect. So I was a senior in high school at a school here. And that was a Saturday in the bathroom, that Monday, in the bathroom, in the bathroom, an American white girl shows up to me with a flyer and invites me to this retreat. I barely spoke English. <laughs> and she's talking to me. A lot of times when American students will speak to us, they had to like use their fingers, you know. But when she said, come to church, come for Jesus, I knew I heard church and Jesus. And it was like, this is what I'm praying. <laughs> I prayed for this in the bathroom. And this girl invited me in the bathroom. No one, not American student, black or white, did not talk to the foreign students. We were just in our little corner where the Europeans, Africans, Asians, we hung out with each other. Americans didn't speak to us. So for this girl to walk up to me and to invite me to this retreat, I said, yes, she's, she's explaining. And I'm like, girl, like, Yes. I don't know how else to tell you, but yes, yes, yes. And that began a journey for me of healing. So I went to this retreat and I, the thing that I saw on TV, right? Baby, he laying hands on people, people falling. I saw all that. And it was crazy. 
My mind was telling me this is not real, but my heart was saying yes. And they'd start talking about forgiveness. You see, you have to forgive. So I, I mean, the whole three days of that retreat wept and wept and wept and wept because Jesus was saying to me, Sandrine, I want to make you whole, but you've got, there's got to be a transfer. There's got to be an exchange. If you want to have a new heart, you have to release all the people that you have. And I want you to know, it was not just my dad dying. It was not just my mom running away to save her life, rightfully so. It was not just the family members who mistreated us and wanted me to get married at 14 so that they can get rid of me. It was not just the country that, that rejected me. I had to forgive, you know, they had to write lists, names. And I, I remember telling God, I don't even know how to write all the names. And the girls, these were 16-year-olds. They stayed with me. And it's like, and it's like any person that comes to mind, we're going to write it. So I just wrote, Congo. <laughs> and, and it was hard to forgive because for so long, my identity was that anger. For so long, hatred towards the people who hurt me was my identity. And here I was wanting a new identity. I, was, I wanted freedom. I wanted to no longer have those nightmares, but they had to be that exchange. And, and finally, one by one. But what's beautiful is that when I forgave, I felt the peace. When I forgave, I felt the peace. And, and it was forgiving my mom because so much rejection that I felt, so much hatred that I felt. I hated her for being wanted, for giving me the face that I had. If it wasn't for her, told myself, I wouldn't ever get kicked out of my country. But that was the initial work Christ began in my heart. And then it was deliverance. And then they were like, things start coming out, you know? And I don't know who you, who's listening, you know, the ones who are listening. There is, I don't know. You read New Testament. Jesus cast things out and he cast things out of my heart. There was our forgiveness that opened the door to the demonics. There were anger that needed to leave. There was fear of failure, fear of disappointing myself because I had put myself in such a place. Everyone failed me. So I put Sandrine in a, in a pedestal, right? You know, and then I failed me. So I had to let go of that fear. And that was deliverance that had to take place to free me. But deliverance literally meant that things had to be expelled, demonic oppression. I was not possessed, but I was oppressed the way I would think about myself. When I would look at myself in the mirror, it didn't matter how much, I, you know, how many times I quoted the scriptures. There was a stronghold. There was another part of my mind, of my thinking that Christ did not reign. So he had to come and clean the house like he talks about, and he cleaned it. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled speaking in tongues. Oh, yes. I, and I tell people, I don't care if you believe these things or not. It happened for me. It happened to me. It's like in John 9 with the blind men, where the, the Pharisees, they ask him, what happened? He said, all I know, I don't know what he did. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. And they kept questioning. And he asked them, he says, do you want to also become his disciples? Because I'm looking for this Jesus. I want to give my whole life. And that's what happened to me. That freedom. I literally felt like loads and loads of baggages removed off of my life, off of my back. I called my mom. I said, mom, you won't believe what happened. They cast demons out of me. And my mom said, oh, you need to run. It's a cult. 
Oh, I say with Obama. It is not a cult. I have never felt free my whole life. And to believe it or not, my mom went to one of those retreats. My whole family went to one of those retreats. And to this day, it's been 21 years. I'm still loving Jesus, following Jesus. To tell you that deliverance is real. One third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance. (laughs) So 18 years old, I get radically saved. On fire, literally, like I went, if you were alive, I preached to you. Because I felt that I didn't want anybody else to be, oh my gosh, I didn't want anybody else to live one more day outside of that freedom that I had found with Jesus. I did not have a car. I did not speak English, but I was at any church event. Like if the church building buildings were open, I was there. I hitchhiked literally. I, I asked for rides. I would go to a coffee shop and to witness, to talk about Jesus, not knowing how I would get home. And all of these things sound crazy. Like I, my husband now, I told him, he said, don't tell that to people. That just sounds crazy. But what you don't realize is that I just wanted to give the rest of me to Jesus. And I remember saying that for the rest of my life, Satan will pay for the 18 years of torment that I received, that he inflicted on my life. And that was my goal. And so that's what happened. Just radically healed my heart. Literally, my heart was like a piece. You take a, a tomato and you puncture it. You puncture it with, with, with a nail. Just imagine with me, puncture this, this tomato and it's oozing. Just these, the, everywhere I went, I oozed anger. I, it was hatred. It was bitterness. My face, if you looked at pictures before I gave my life to Christ, I looked different. And when I say give my life to Christ, it doesn't mean that I did not love God. It doesn't mean that I wasn't following God. But really at that point is that I gave him all of me. Even the broken part, especially the broken part. Many of us, we're following Jesus. We're following him, but we don't want to bring him into those places where you've been raped, where you've been, and nobody knows. I just feel like there's some of us, the ones who are listening, you've been really wounded and you've never told that to a person because the enemy has convinced you that you you still have power and you want to prove to the devil. I mean, you want to prove to yourself and to the people that you're strong. But I'm telling you, it's only when we allow Christ into those crevices of our lives, those rooms that we've never allowed him in. And for me, that was salvation. The word salvation means sozo, where you've made whole, when you, where, where your body, spirit, mind, all of you is completely restored. And that's what happened with me. And so now I have six kids going from, starting from 11 to 10 month old. And I just want to tell people that Jesus wants to restore you. He wants to restore your identity. When you read Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. So here it's just like in him, I've been adopted. I've been chosen. I am loved. I am the beloved. I have been filled. I've been sealed. I have an inheritance. I am the beloved of God. And that is our identity. And I am discovering, and it's beautiful. It's a journey. 
like walking with Christ because I'm continuing to discover the depth in Ephesians 3 says that we may experience that love being rooted in Christ, that we will grow in that love and we will know the width and the height and the, whoo, it's, he's so good. That identity can only come in Christ. And I'm in this beautiful journey with him and uh, 21 years and not one day have I regretted giving my life completely to him. That is the miracle of salvation. Wow. I feel like we just attended church. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so many things I feel like that we could talk about. Um, I took oh, like a paragraph of notes. <laughs> um, having been to Africa four times, uh, some of that, some of what she was describing was helpful for me to hear her own personal journey, just having seen tribal warfare. And uh, when we become part of a tribe, it's a good thing. There's some commonalities there. Mm. There's some fellowship there. There's some, we relate to one another. We agree with each other. But then there's this toxic, there can be a toxic element when when we start to identify others who don't agree as an enemy. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the fallout of that is... Um terrifying and she's experienced that firsthand um just because of her appearance and she she was half congolese but or she is half congolese and they didn't care yeah it doesn't it makes zero sense when you're like how could this happen how could how could people kill each other with machetes how could people burn down homes and beat people up because they are of a different from a different country or because from we've lost tribe. the truth of our identity and she's found hers again. So not, that's kind of a heavy note to start off on, <laughs> on a really powerful, powerful story. But I just, I just think that it was a heavy story. It was a heavy, heavy way to grow up. And the beauty of her story is, is I think starts in that bathroom. I thought that was really cool that, she prays in a bathroom and actually she prays to go to a church and in a high school bathroom, a girl invites her to a retreat. God answered her prayer, but he answered it in actually a better way. Mm. So it's in the bathroom. There's no way Sandrine was going to miss that. Um, That's for sure. And then she didn't go to a church. She went to a retreat, which is exactly what she needed. She needed something intensive to... Mm -hmm to she was wounded deeply she had been through she had probably ptsd i mean she had some major trauma and she was in the right place at the right time with the right people and she encountered jesus and got radically set free and and you can hear that freedom in her voice too there's no doubt when you listen to sandrine share her story that she's free. She's completely free from the bitterness, from the anger, from the torment. She is free in Christ. And it resounds in in every word that she speaks. It's so beautiful. There's the bathroom parallel. And then Sandrine is 40, I believe. 
39 or 40. Mm. Her mom was 40. Mm. Sandrine has six kids. And then her mom had six kids Mm -hmm. when that story first started. So I just thought the timing was really cool and the parallels between how God is redeeming and restoring. Their kids are experiencing freedom that she didn't get to experience, Mm. you know. Um, so like literally while we're on our zoom call, her kids were out running around and playing and, um, she was like, yeah, we live in a very safe neighborhood. We've got some older, older folks in the neighborhood that are, I'm sure looking out for them. And so I just thought that was a cool picture of God's redemption. This is the last thing I'll say. (laughs) Psalm, her mom is actually quoting from Psalm 68. Five, and I think this is speaks to her story, um, Sandrine's overall story. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Yeah, Sandrine is um, a very, very powerful and eloquently spoken woman. And um, I think on her Facebook uh, page, she just recently read through the book of Ephesians with some gals. So um, if you're a woman and I guess if you're a man too, but um, if you want to be encouraged, um, I'll put... Sandrine's information in the show notes. Um, many of her posts on both Instagram and Facebook are extremely encouraging. She just has a holy fire within her and um, she shares that passion and that fire on those platforms. So I'll share that in the show notes so that others can get in touch with Sandrine if, if they want to. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.